I'd like to talk to you about humility. How many of you would agree with me when I say we probably can all use some help in that area? Uh, that's amen, amen. That's a. Uh, this is a character trait that is going to be very important in each and every one of our lives. Get Proverbs 15, if you would. Proverbs chapter 15. And verse number 33, Proverbs 15, verse number 33. That should be in Proverbs 15, verse 33 says, The fear of the Lord. How many of you feel the fear of the Lord? Amen. Amen. We should. That's a reverent fear. That you're not running around scared half to death like you just got... Uh, you know, you saw something scary, but the fear of the Lord, it's a reverent thing. And it says, is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. I'm talking about instruction versus destruction. <laughs> That's what we want to talk about tonight. I'm telling you, you don't have humility. That's going to destroy your life. You're go you might be saved. You might be on your way to heaven. But between now and then, there's going to be a lot of destruction down here for you. You're going to run into a lot of consequences that you're not going to uh, remove yourself from this side of heaven. So this idea that I'm saved and I'm going to be with God and I can just live however I want, uh, I don't know where anybody would get that in the Bible. Uh, I don't know why anybody would want to treat God irreverently like that. Uh, trample upon His grace. We should be instructed so we don't get destructed with a prideful life. And I'd like to talk to you about humility. This says here, it's the instruction of wisdom. And that is very, very obvious. There's some discipline. There's some instruction that's needed to be able to live a life of humility before the Lord. I want you to live a humble life. I want you to want me to live a humble life. What does all that mean? Proverbs 18. Let's look at another verse. Proverbs 18. Watch what it says in verse number 12. Proverbs 18, 12. It says before, here it is again, destruction. I'm talking about getting some instruction to avoid destruction. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. You know, humil humility is not somebody who is just passive. You can't look at somebody that maybe they might have a more timid personality and say, well, that person is humility. Passivity isn't humility. Timidity isn't humility. It isn't. Let's read the verse again. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Humility is the state of our hearts before God. Can you ask yourself the same question I'm going to ask myself? Do we bow our interests before what God would have for us? 
That's a heart of humility. We bow our opinions and our interests and our wants and our desires. We're bent toward bowing toward what the Lord would want. We're willing to put us aside so that the Lord can use us for His glory. That's a heart of humility. We need to be instructed in that. Amen? Amen. If your life or if my life only consists of what we want, how we think, what our desires are, we're going to... Um, destruction's that road. We need to move down the road of humility, all of us. Getting our hearts in line with what God wants. It's a hard attitude. It's a heart toward God. That's the state of humility. Look at Proverbs 22. And verse number 4. Proverbs 22, verse number 4. The Bible says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. This fear of the Lord is a reverent thing. Do you know why people use the Lord's name irreverently? Because they don't fear the Lord. And if they did fear the Lord, they would zip it. They would zip their mouth, they would zip their mind, they would zip their heart to go down that road. It's an irreverent thing because they don't have any fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, humility and fear, together there's a natural association. It's almost as if you can't separate the two. You can't have a humble man who doesn't fear the Lord and a man that doesn't fear the Lord, you can't have a man that's not humble. It's like they're inseparable. They go hand in hand. And we need to understand this. And I think all of us would agree that any man, any woman, any boy, any girl has to get into the valley of humiliation before they can truly submit to what God wants. A lost person has to get in that valley of total humiliation so that they can fear Him and then be reconciled to Him. God gives law to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You don't get in that valley of humiliation. Bad news. Your heart's going to swell instead of dwell on the Lord and His goodness. Amen. Can we all use some help in those verses out of the book of Proverbs? I think we can. I think we can. I think that's right. I believe that's right. Now I want to take a look now at the name that's above every name. The name that we should revere. The name that we sing praises about. The name that we worship around. The name that we preach. The name that we hear teaching about. The name that we say that we live for. Let's go to 1 Timothy. Be our first stop. 1 Timothy. And might as well get Revelation 19 as well. 1 Timothy and Revelation 19. First Timothy will be there first. 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6. Okay, 1 Timothy 6. 
Let's start reading at verse 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot and rebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which, here's a little bit about Jesus here. In his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. That's a good spot to say amen. 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 The King of kings. That's the Lord we're talking about. And it says He's the Lord of lords. Amen and amen and hallelujah. And then it goes on to say, Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting and here's what a lot of preachers have to say to themselves after they make a really good point. Amen! <laughs> that's the Lord. That's His name. It's blessed. It's holy. You can't find anywhere you search a name holier or higher or more reverent than His name. And then it says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded if you're high-minded you're haughty and you're not humble nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy I wanted to spend a little time magnifying the name of the Lord that's the best name that's who we're worshiping and honoring that's who we push people to. Man, you need to, you need to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Amen. Now go to Revelation 19. Here's another powerful verse concerning the name of the Lord. Verse 15 of Revelation 19. Chapter 19, verse 15. Man, when the Lord comes back, man, this is great, isn't it? And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Hallelujah. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, and on his thigh a name written, here it is again, King of Kings, all caps, and Lord of Lords. Don't you love those verses that magnify God, 1 Timothy 6 and Revelation 19? I mean, aren't they? I mean, there's some shouting verses. There's some foot stomping verses. There's some hands in the air verses. It's all about how great the Lord is. And we get to praise Him. We're not using His name irreverently. We're opening our mouth and we're praising who He is with reverence and fear of the Lord. Now that's a humble heart. Now here's the greatest example of, of humility. With 1 Timothy 6 in mind, and Revelation 19 in mind, now go to Philippians chapter number 2. This is the ultimate lesson in humility. Philippians chapter 2, Verse number 5. God help us. 
Philippians 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, we just looked at the Lord in all His magnificent glory and His name above every name. Now, here's our lesson for humility. Who, this is Jesus Christ, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That means God, Jesus Christ is God, manifest in the body of flesh. He's equal with God. But made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He, what? Humbled Himself and became what? Obedient unto death even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath, all, hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'll say to you again, Amen. We love 1 Timothy 6. We love Revelation 19. We love Philippians 2, especially the end of that, and we like the middle of it as long as we don't have to apply it to our lives. He's our example. And you know what he did? He humbled himself. That's the name above every name. Yet somehow, a lot of times, we think that our name's above every name. But the one that we say that we serve, His name truly is above every name, and He humbled Himself. And somehow we think now that us as Christians, we don't need to humble ourselves, we're just right. God help us. God help us. Humility. And the fear of the Lord go hand in hand. And somebody that has a haughty attitude and a haughty spirit, they don't fear the Lord and they're not humble. If you aspire for high honors, if I aspire for the applause of the parade of people, that's not humility. I'll serve you, Lord, as long as I get recognized. That's not humility. Christ humbled Himself. If there's anybody that should be recognized as the Lord of glory, it probably would be the Lord of glory. Yet He humbled Himself and became obedient. Obedi true obedience. I'm not talking about... Look... A truly obedient heart can't be removed from a humble heart. The two are inseparable. That's something to think about. That's something that should humble us. When Christ came down here, He didn't demand people serve Him. Why should we? 
There's a difference between training our children and just being demanding. There's a difference between having some demands and being demanding. <laughs> there really is. Why do I know that? Because I, I know for a fact, I know for a fact that the Lord has some expectations for me as His child. Is that right? I mean, does He have that for you? Do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that. I believe He has some expectations, some demands, if you will. He's not going to force you to serve Him. I mean, as a preacher, I might be able to, and you might do something because the preacher told you to. But I don't believe I'd be doing right, and I don't believe you'd be doing right. Not from the heart. From the outward appearance, you would be. I know the Lord expects us to serve Him, but I also know the Lord is humble and patient and good and long-suffering, and He's not going to force us to do what we don't want to do out of hearts that's truly in submission to Him. You know what it says in Philippians 2? Not only did He humble Himself, but what else did He do? He became obedient. There's an old song. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. O B E D I E N C E. Join in with me. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Amen. It is. It is. If it's true obedience. But when you say, well, I'm just going to obey because we talked about this last uh, the other week at the conference we were at. I, I, I talked about if you're just doing something because you're, you're afraid of the pain button, that's not true obedience. You just don't want the hammer to come down. <laughs> and if you're just doing something because you're excited about the pleasure button, that's not really true obedience. I would do, I would do something for a big fat Reese's Pieces. <laughs> you're doing it because it benefits you. It benefits you. But true obedience comes out of a humble heart. You're willing to be humiliated and to be in that valley. And you know what that means? Oh, God help us. He showed us such a great example. I like being the guy that makes the rules. You know what the golden rule is? Young people pay attention. Look here. And young adults as well. Do you know what the golden rule is? Yeah. What's the golden rule? To wonder others what you would want them to do no. to you. Well, that's, that's good too, but that's not the golden rule I'm talking about. What's the golden rule? 
What you got? Well, I'll tell you what the golden rule is. It's real simple. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. That's the golden rule. <laughs> right? Whoever has the most gold, whoever has the most money makes the rules. So look, we all, we all want to be that guy. We all want to be that gal that makes the rules, right? Because if I make the rules, uh, Chris, I get to tell you what to do. Here's the rule, you do it. Well, what are you doing? I'll be in the back office making sure you do the rules. And, and, and ladies, same thing. If you get to make the rules, that's great. Because then you get to see if somebody breaks the rules and you get to kind of come down on them. But look, why am I saying that? Because, because, when the table is flipped and now it's an opportunity for the rule maker to keep the rules that he make, we mess up the same way. <laughs> come on, moms and dads. Help me out on this one. Be nice to your sister. Well, brother just saw you be mean to dad. <laughs> we, like to we like to enforce the rules on others, but we don't like to have them be enforced on us. That's, Amen. that's some good preaching, if I might say so myself. Amen. <laughs> you know what God did? He humbled himself and became obedient. That's the rule maker coming down and he kept all the rules that he made. You want to talk about humility? Jesus Christ is our absolute perfect example. Because he didn't just make the rules, he came down and he kept every last one of them and never sinned once. Now, how about that? I don't know of any boss, I don't know of any employee or employer or parent or grandparent that can obey like that. But that's our Lord. And that is a picture of humility. How do you serve? Let's look at Another thought, and then we'll finish. How do you serve is the last question. Go to Acts 20. Acts 20. And 1 Peter, because we'll finish in 1 Peter, so we might as well get our spot there. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. So if I ever ask you the golden rule again, all you young people should have that down pat. Acts 20, 1 Peter 5. Acts 20 will start. Acts 20, look at verse number 19. How do you serve the Lord is the final question I'd like us to ponder. The Bible says serving the Lord, Acts 20 verse 19, with all humility of mind. And with many tears and temptations which befell me by lying in wait of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but of showing you, have taught you publicly, and from house to house, testifying both the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, there's a lot there. It says all humility. 
Do you have an outward performance void of a personal walk? That might be serving the Lord, but I'd submit to you this afternoon, it's not with all humility of mind. How's your personal walk with the Lord? That's why I had us take some personal time as we went through the Lord's Supper this morning at 10. And after each of those verses, we took some personal time for us to go before the Lord with matters that are on our heart and mind. Is it personal performance? Or do you have a, or do you have a private walk? If you had to have one, Start with the private walk. Start with the private prayer closet. Do you have a time where you go and pray? Or are you just ready to storm the gates of hell with a water pistol as you go out and give out tracts and do all the stuff that we're supposed to do, but we don't have a private walk? Humility, all humility, it says. Serving the Lord with all humility. You don't have to turn there. Romans 1 talks about Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. He was separated under the gospel of God. In Galatians 1 it says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Our goal isn't to perform before men, our goal is to serve the Lord. And it starts in private. And yes, it should, be, it should be an outward manifestation publicly. But you can't put the public before the private. Because it won't keep you humble. <laughs> Look at me, Lord. You're serving the Lord because you should be serving the Lord but in the depths of your heart, you're saying, look at me, serve you, Lord. <laughs> and that's not right. Do we have a private walk? Last verse I'd like you to look at is 1 Peter. And I believe this will help us as we close out. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse number 5. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Submission is a form of humility. And it says, Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Now, I will say to you that it's tough for women today to be married and have to be submissive to their husband for this reason. One, some of them are just jerks. But take that aside for a minute. Even if they're not, submitting yourself to somebody else is a very tough thing to do. And young people, I know it's hard to be a young person in today's world because a lot of people are mean. But put that aside. 
your parents aren't mean. And your teachers aren't mean. And your preacher isn't mean, at least all the time. And God says, you should submit. And I know that's a difficult thing to do because nobody likes to submit to another person because they want to do it their way. When you're talking about submission, in many ways, it is easier if you isolate that thought to be a husband rather than a wife. <laughs> Look, there's some responsibilities of being the, the head that the help doesn't have. So I get, it can go either way, whatever you start thinking about. A lot of ladies should be thankful they don't have the responsibility of being the head. And God gave them the role of being the help. But in the idea of submission, it is one to another. It should go both ways. One to another. It's not an easy thing to do. So how do we do it? In the role that God has put us in. It's right here in the passage. Be what? Clothed with humility. You're going to have to put it on as clothing. A good pickpocketer could probably steal your wallet out of your pocket. A good thief could probably take something out of your hand. They might be able to steal some clothes off of a shelf in a store. But you'll never see anybody rob you of your clothes. <laughs> Uh, that's a rare thing. You have your clothes on. Somebody might take your watch. Somebody might steal something you have in your hand. And I'm telling you, if you just have humility right here and your body isn't clothed with it, it can be easily taken away. To be humble, you need to be clothed with it. And look, if you've trusted Christ, you're in Him. He's the perfect example of humility. Keep your clothes on as a Christian. What do you mean by that? Stay humble. Don't lose the heart of humility. It says be clothed with humility. Keep your clothes on. And too many times we have the outward performance of something. We've got the right dress code. But God says you're naked because you're not acting humble. And so 1 Peter 5 says, be clothed with humility. 1 Peter 5, verse number 6, uh, verse number 5. Be clothed with humility. Why? For God resist, resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so you can exalt yourself? No. That He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon Him for He careth for you.